Welcome back again, it's Tamara and today we will talk about misunderstood herbs. So these are herbs that have gotten pretty popular in the last year, so you have probably heard of them. And often they are used in the wrong way or not in the correct dose or not for the right thing. So this is what this episode is about. Let's dig into the weeds. Okay, our first herb is maca root. So maca is actually a vegetable that grows in Peru. So in Peru and Bolivia, it's used as a common vegetable. You can imagine it's something like a beetroot. Um, it's usually white, but there's also a darker variety that is kind of purplish um, black. Yeah, often when it's sold as a powder, it's called black maca. So there's the normal kind of yellowish, light colored maca and the black maca. And yeah, it seems it has gotten popular because there was kind of an active um, yeah, campaign of a company or several companies that were in the search for a product. That, that is what, is what it seems, all the information of the internet. You know, it's unusual that we are using an herb that is from South America in Western herbalism or um, yeah, in general uh, medicinal herbs that we use are usually from Ayurveda, from Chinese medicine, or they have a Western tradition, which means kind of North American, European tradition of herbs. So this is an herb from South, South America, which usually we do not have normally so much access to. So this must have been an idea of a company, you know, ah, let's see what, what they're farming here, the farmers in Peru and Bolivia. Can we make a business out of this? And in the end, maybe all of this has not in the first place benefited the local farmers, sometimes to the contrary. Um, maybe local people now cannot afford maca root, which was part of their traditional diet anymore because it has been exported to the US and to Europe and even to China a lot. So yeah, it's a complicated story with maca root. I know even of some herbalists who say they don't use maca at all because of this kind of dodgy situation uh, and ethical concerns based on yeah, what I just told you. So yeah, this is one aspect, but um, it is available. We can buy it. It has certain yeah, scientific research behind it. Of course, it has way more traditional use. It is normally just cooked uh, or steamed or baked as a root, you know, like a sweet potato or looks a bit like a beetroot. So it's used in the same way. Local people use it in the same way, like they bake it and it's part of their normal diet. And they say that it has benefit for fertility, for libido, mental benefits. Uh, it gives you strength. Um, improves your energy, stabilizes your mood and things like that. This is what the locals um, would say about maca and this is why they treasure this plant and have used it and farmed it for a long time. So now we come in as Westerners and um, most of the scientific studies, it seems, were actually funded by the companies that are selling it. So this is a bit suspicious, of course. There were not so many human studies. Some are animal models, which is also always tricky. And um, so, yeah, we cannot rely purely on the studies. That's, the studies suggest that, yeah, there is a benefit for menopause or fertility or um, mental health and energy and things like that. So, and this is of course what Peruvian people also say and what they have been using this for so it makes sense and um, yeah uh, it's probably that maca is really working in that way of course probably not in those tiny doses 
that were used in those studies, remember, in those scientific studies, I have said this in some of the last episodes, uh, they just use the bare minimum, like a minimal dose that just so produces a result, if at all, and a study is considered successful, you know, if symptoms improve by 10% or even less, or if um, a certain low percentage uh, of the test cohort of the people who participated in these studies get some slight effect you know this is not what we use as practitioners in our daily work with clients where we want actual results you know I, I gave the example of we don't want the migraines to reduce by 10% or 12% or something we want the migraines to to be reduced by 100% or at least 95% so um about dosages we do not gain any insight from those scientific studies about which dosages would work uh, if we want to take maca for some health concern so this is the biggest problem this is the biggest misunderstanding about maca that it does definitely not work if you take a capsule of like let's say 500 milligrams of maca root powder or even two or three or four or five capsules a day. So that does definitely not work. The way it has been taken traditionally is that they cook up the root, it's the main ingredient of the dish, of the food, so they eat it in bigger quantities, definitely. Yeah, so um, this is the first thing, the dose issue. So a dose, yeah, the dose can actually not be high enough, you know, you cannot overdose it. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's see it as a vegetable, a root vegetable that is completely non-toxic and has no, yeah, probably no harmful side effects at all. And yeah, the dose should be as high as you can manage, let's say, but at least, let's say in the tablespoon range, yeah, a full heaping tablespoon a day would be a good maintenance dose, something to get started or something just... Um, yeah, to add something nutritious to your smoothie. There's lots of minerals and vitamins and things in the maca root, so it's definitely a good addition to make a smoothie more nutritious or even a soup, or you could even use it. It has a very mild flavor, so it would also taste good, yeah, in cooking and or in your oatmeal, stirred into your oatmeal or something like that. So this would be an appropriate way to take it. Not forget the capsules, absolutely forget them. This is a total waste of money. You get half a gram of maca root powder in one capsule and this is next to nothing. It's absolutely uh, useless probably. And um, buy a kilo of powder, yeah, like really a two pound package of the powder. I think here in Europe you can get this for about 20 euros. And yeah, then you have at least a supply yeah, that's going to last you for a month or two if you take one to, let's say, three tablespoons every day. And yeah, then you should feel an effect after a while. It's also probably not a very fast-acting herb, so don't expect to feel anything the same day or the next day or even the next week. It is something that more like slowly nourishes your body and you get an effect, a mild effect over time. Yeah, this is more what you can expect. So I think the expectations with maca are very high. Yeah, it is said it's good for fertility and libido and energy and all this mood stabilizer. 
um, menopause, even that it has a balancing effect on estrogen or other hormones. Uh, and of course, if an herb has anywhere the mention of that it balances hormones or it has an estrogenic effect or something, there are immediately the warnings attached to it, like you should not take it in certain situations where meddling with your hormones would be dangerous, which is probably a warning that is also completely unfounded and completely, yeah, uh, just taken out of the thin air, actually. Um, because, remember, the herbs usually, mild herbs like maca, very food-like herbs like maca, they do not force the body drastically in one direction. So they improve your hormones in tests, like if you would give somebody maca for a certain time and measure their hormone levels, and let's say they had an imbalance in their progesterone and estrogen or something, and then they have better levels, improved levels after taking the maca for a couple of months. Yeah, this could definitely happen because you took something that nourishes you, that strengthens the body, that gives your body lots of nutrients and vitamins and minerals, and those are all necessary requirements for your body to produce your hormones in the right amount. Yeah, So this is what happens in the body. You give your body something very nourishing and your hormonal situation improves or your immune situation improves or your energy or your mental stability. So those are all positive effects that you have from adding a very nutritious and nutrient-dense food to your diet, like maca, for example. Yeah, So... I think the warning signs exaggerated that it, you know, you, that there are certain counterindications or something. I'm, it's unlikely, I would say, of course. Yeah, we can always, uh, we, we always have the situation those herbs have not been tested for any outcome. Yeah, we, we cannot say this from scientific proof, but of course, we have the traditional use of hundreds or even thousands of years in those countries where it has been traditionally part of their diet. Yeah, and those people have recognized this to be a very safe and very nutritious and very beneficial um, part of their diet and that's why they have been farming it and using it because it grows in the soils that uh, are present in this local area. So this is the background and this is what we can use as an orientation to um, yeah, how this herb would benefit somebody and that there are it's very yeah very low chances that we would encounter any uh, side effects in in even in higher doses as i said i mean people steam and cook and bake this root and eat it uh, and not just you know half a gram a day or something in this low dose probably yeah they they would not have noticed any benefits and any changes it depends on the herb of course there are other herbs we use they're more potent and we use them in lower doses but maca root seems to be more uh, one of those yeah, very nutritious, uh, kind of on the uh, between being a food and a medicinal herb, let's say. Yeah, a very food like herb, yeah, or um, a very medicinal food, let's say, something uh, in this uh, range of definition. Yeah, so one of the mistakes that I see or misunderstandings is the dose. So I definitely think it's worthless to use half a gram in capsules so the dose should be more in the tablespoon heaping tablespoon range and then it's a great nutritious addition to your smoothies to your oatmeal to your food and the second thing is not to have very high expectation this is not like a very strong uh, amazing adaptogen or no, let's say a tonic herb that uh, it is in that direction it could be classified 
in this direction of an adaptogen, an herb that creates and boosts immunity and hormonal balance and strength and resilience and um, mental clarity. So it goes in that direction, but it's probably definitely not the strongest one of those. It's not compared, let's say, to ginseng or ashwagandha. Now, ginseng is the example from Chinese medicine, like a tonic herb that gives you strength. Um, so ashwagandha, you know, we talk really about a couple of grams. So if, um, no, ginseng, sorry. Ginseng, we talk about a gra couple of grams if you were to, to take ginseng. So yeah, even a few grams or yeah, three to five grams. You can take higher doses, doesn't mean that five grams is a maximum, but this would already be effective. And with maca, we see, no, it starts more around the 20 gram mark and even higher that you would see some effects. So for many of those things that, um, yeah, it is kind of taken for, let's say fertility or even menopause treatments, we have more effective options. Of course, if you kind of self-treating uh, yourself and just trying something out, it's a very safe choice with other herbs um, for these issues. Maybe you need a practitioner who really decides um, for you with more background knowledge what is the best herb for your specific situation. So with maca, you can't go wrong. This is the advantage. So it's a pretty safe herb to take um, on a day-to-day -day basis. But yeah, don't expect any dramatic results and not in a very short time, definitely. It's more like part of an overall nutritious diet and other herbs that you might be taking to really address your menopause issues or um, yeah, to help with fertility or libido or energy or all those things that is kind of famous for. Yeah, so this is about maca. Try it out, see what you think, uh, use it for a while, use it in the appropriate dose. As I said, I do not recommend to take it in capsules. Also, the taste is not bad. It actually blends in really well if you make like a nice tasting smoothie. Yeah, you won't mm, even taste it that much. So this is the advantage. It's pretty tasty or it's kind of okay for most people. Um, it's yeah very harmless. You can't do much damage with it. So there's probably also no contraindications to be expected in pregnancy or nursing moms as i said those are based on the traditional use of about 2000 years of the use of maca in peru and bolivia this is not based on science so you will definitely find those warnings that we don't have enough data for the use in pregnancy and during breastfeeding uh, in all those situations or you might find warnings because of the hormonal effect you might find um yeah warnings to not take it together with certain pharmaceuticals but this all seems to be a bit more on the overcautious uh, side of warnings and not founded in actual evidence that there might be actually something going wrong yeah as i said it's very food-like and it has been used safely for so many years in south america Okay, our next misunderstood herb is astragalus root. So try to not confuse, confuse astragalus and ashwagandha. It's actually really funny. I just ordered uh, in an uh, herbal extract company in Germany. I ordered my astragalus uh, powder and some capsules. And they did actually um, 
con confused the astragalus and the ashwagandha so they did send me ashwagandha powder instead and i told them oh there was an error you send me the ashwagandha not the astragalus they said oh yeah we can't create a return label uh, for your country so just keep the ashwagandha and we send you the astragalus anyway so that was good so yeah it's very common because it sounds a bit similar it's, it sounds exotic and uh, it starts with an a and both herbs have gotten a lot of attention in recent years so ashwagandha is from ayurveda and we have talked about it in other episodes i think in the adaptogen episode and i'm sure i'm going to mention it again and again because yeah i use it a lot with clients and it's a great herb but now we're talking about astragalus it's also a root and it's from chinese medicine so astragalus how it has been misunderstood yeah also it has gotten a lot of attention and totally you know there is never a real reason it's not that this uh, chinese herb is better than all those other hundreds of chinese herbs from traditional chinese medicine uh, that it has anything special or outstanding or it seems like those overnight successes that suddenly Uh, some herb became becomes famous and everybody talks about it and most people have heard about it and read about it on the internet yeah this seems to be pretty random those successes honestly yeah so um, sometimes there are financial interests behind that like in the case of maca root that it might it might be that way I'm, I'm, I'm not sure but astragalus yeah I don't know where the success came from but it's definitely talked about a lot in recent years and in this in our western understanding it is often described as an immune stimulating herb so an herb that you can take to boost your immunity in traditional Chinese medicine though um, first the name in, in, in Chinese medicine is Wang Qi which means the yellow leader or the yellow energizer um, as I said it's a root uh, the botanical name is Astragalus membranaceus and it's a legume in English the name uh, is milk vetch and it's a minor adaptogen a minor tonic in the Chinese understanding let's say okay adaptogen is a Western concept also but let's say it it goes in this adaptogenic direction of herbs that balance the immune system so it is correct it does balance the immune system but it's not its main function let's say it balances the hormones it gives you energy um, so it's an overall kind of energizer immune hormonal balance like we know from adaptogens it's a minor adaptogen so in chinese medicine uh, distinguishes you know between the yeah the major tonic herbs like ginseng um, that really yeah even in a in a quite lower dose they give you strength and stamina and help your immune system balance your hormones and all that and astragalus is a not so strong herb let's say you would use it in a higher dose definitely than ginseng just to compare it to something you know i mean ginseng most people have heard, heard about so um yeah ginseng would be definitely a main tonic herb in Chinese medicine and astragalus is kind of um, the cousin that is um, not as effective but goes a bit in this direction with the overall effect that it has on the body so actually all of our so-called adaptogens or in Chinese medicine they are called tonic herbs in Ayurvedic medicine they are called maybe rasayanas um, they do those things in the body that they just help us with overall strength and 
stamina, support the immune system, create hormonal balance. So they just strengthen and energize the body over time. Yeah, usually those are not herbs that have an immediate effect. Actually, ginseng has ginseng. You can feel a noticeable effect right after the first dose if you take enough to feel something. But normally those herbs are meant to be taken over time, and they're pretty slow acting. And some of them are milder, some of them are stronger. So for astragalus, the dose has to be pretty high. So this would mean 30 grams if you take it just as a maintenance dose you would take it over several months to build your energy to build your immune system so i mean you not that you can't use it to build your immune system but if you have a cold today or you feel the cold coming on it's probably too late to start the astragalus you could still do it yeah there's also no no um in yeah nothing against that but you would need higher doses to really do something let's say within a day if you want a result within a day you would have to take more like 90 grams yeah and if you take it every day 30 grams or in some situations you could go also a bit higher would be a good daily support to support your immune system so it's a mild um, a mild tonic herb yeah it's also good for children yeah so children can take it because most of our adaptogens like ginseng or ashwagandha we can't give to children because there is this hormonal action yeah so astragalus does not have much this um action on hormones or libido or in the sense you know that it strengthens and energizes the body so of course this is also good for your hormones and libido but more like an afterthought after effect let's say so it is safe for children to take and i have uh, i use it in this way actually with my clients so if i have a child that i think needs some support and just a bit more building and strengthening and building the immune system then astragalus is definitely a good choice also because of its taste so as Astragalus can be used um, as a tea. You decoct the root. This is like, this is actually the way that all Chinese herbs are being used. So in Chinese medicine, usually they boil the herb, and many of them are roots, some are leaves. It doesn't matter. I mean, a root definitely you have to boil for a bit longer to get uh, the active constituents extracted. So then it's a good idea. But Chinese medicine just decocts everything, yeah. So you would buy uh, those root slices of the astragalus. They are pretty hard. They also do not soften when you cook them, so you can't eat them. I mean, there are many Chinese herbs. You know, you can just leave them in the soup, so to say. Yeah, you make kind of a soup stock with them, and you can even eat them. Uh, so astragalus is not one of them where you would actually eat the root after cooking, because it stays hard. Yeah, but the active uh, constituents. The, the medicine in the astragalus root is easily ex extracted into the water. So then you have this water that you can just use as a tea. I mean, basically you have just made tea. If you just decocted those astragalus root pieces, let's say for half an hour or an hour would be best on very low heat. And then you can, of course, just drink it as a tea or you can even incorporate it into a soup or you can cook some rice with it. And this is also a very easy way to give this to children because usually they like the taste. It's kind of a, a mild, sweet uh, taste that combines really well in a broth or soup or um, yeah, if you cook rice or quinoa in it or something like that. So yeah, it's easy to give it to kids, let's say. Even if you would replace, let's say, the water of your breakfast smoothie Uh, with cold astragalus tea you would 
probably not feel anything negative uh, taste-wise in your smoothie. Yeah, it was just would just give the smoothie a bit more sweetness. And um, yeah, but do you have the good medicine of the astragalus in your smoothie if you do that, now or in your rice or soup or however you want to use it? So it's very easy to use in that sense. Um, except that you have to boil it for a while and prepare the tea every day i mean you could prepare it in advance let's say for the next two three days and just keep it in the fridge so you could just cook a big pot and then keep the tea in the fridge and reheat or use in your cooking and or just yeah just drink it cold or hot as you prefer so astragalus is misunderstood in this sense that in the west we think it's mainly an immune herb which it isn't it's not mainly for immune function it's not like the best choice if you need something very quick and fast acting if you already feel a cold coming on so it does strengthen the immune system yes but very slowly and it's actually nothing nothing special in this category of tonic herbs so so other tonic herbs also have this effect of immune support like for example the ginseng which is one of the more known and ginseng acts way faster and way lower dose than the astragalus for example but it's also way more expensive so the astragalus can be a good choice because it's still uh, yeah in the affordable range i would say you can also get it easily in powder form so this is the yeah let's say the next best choice to take it the my preferred choice would be the root pieces sliced or shredded or in all forms they come yeah literally in all forms sometimes they come as long thin sticks that look a bit like a tongue depressor like tongue depressor shape it's often called it's just flat and long and or it comes shredded or it comes in little round shapes so it comes in all of those shapes it comes also in as powder and of course the powder you could just stir into something yeah just eat whole so to say or also you pour hot water over the powder and let it steep for a while or boil it a little bit but usually steeping is enough if it's in powder form already and you strain it and drink it as a tea so also if you have it in powder form you could just make a tea that probably tastes pretty nice and can easily be given even to children so that would be a good way to take it in capsules you would have to to see there are so many products and so many different companies you know that create extracts uh, or yeah different sometimes it's not an extract sometimes you just get the straight astragalus ground to powder in capsules which is definitely a waste of money because one capsule contains probably half a gram of the astragalus powder and this is not much remember i just talked about 30 grams which would be a good starting dose this is not even a high dose in chinese medicine so yeah capsules are a waste of money except if it's a really well-made extract and it's concentrated let's say it's a 10 to 1 concentration so they would take 10 grams of astragalus root and transform it into one gram of extract so then you would get let's say if half a gram fits into a capsule you would get five grams of astragalus in a capsule so then you have 15 capsules to swallow to get to your 30 grams that's already pretty much for for some people and not not so used to swallowing so many capsules so yeah you can you can choose if you really don't like the taste which is rare because it really tastes like sweet and nice and and pretty okay and not very intense then i would definitely not choose capsule capsules for the astragalus 
yeah uh, you can even you know mix it into a hot chocolate or like a milk or plant milk based uh, recipe or something for children put a little cacao powder or carob powder or something like that with it and they won't even taste it a lot so yeah it's pretty easy to give if you make like a, a little sweetened drink or something sweetened with honey or something even kids would take their struggle so it's pretty easy to take yeah so go for the root pieces and decoct them or take the powder and take the powder as it is or also decoct the powder make a tea out of the powder and forget the capsules which are usually too expensive and it's not possible so easily to get to a yeah to a reasonable dose yeah so the the second misunderstanding about astragalus is also the dose and the duration of taking it yeah so it does not help a couple of grams a day is very low for astragalus this is usually not used in traditional chinese medicine it's used in, in way higher doses normally i mean in in modern times you know anything can happen <laughs> sometimes we just give those not, not we but you know some practitioners give very low doses to people because that's all they can get into them that's all they can afford you know if you buy this in capsules or sometimes astragalus in tcm it's part of a formulation so it's uh, only yeah a certain percentage of of a formula of many herbs so of course then in the end maybe you have just a couple of grams per day of astragalus and not the 30 grams i'm talking about but if you take the astragalus as a main herb for your immunity and to really do something you would have to take these higher doses to really feel an, an effect and also you have to take it over time no? it's not very useful to start it today and if you feel the cold coming on but it's good to take it for many months you don't you don't have to pause it or you know get off it or stop it it's actually more beneficial if you keep uh, really taking it the effect builds up over time Okay, our next herb is from Ayurveda and it's Tulsi. So Tulsi, also called holy basil, Oximum Sanctum is the botanical name. Um, Tulsi is also misunderstood a bit in its actions and what exactly it's good for or in which dose to take it. Um, it is a very important herb in Ayurveda. Actually, it is one of the three most sacred Indian herbs together with Soma and Lotus. So those three herbs are considered very sacred and holy. So it has a bit this, yeah, this myth and something special to it. The reason why it became famous now in the West, so you might have heard of it, maybe you had the tea or you were taking it or you, you saw it in little tea bags. I think it was the company organic India who first brought it to the West and also it was a, a commercial strategy they thought about a way to market this herb to a Western um, cons to Western consumers um, so this is also a bit you know we have to just keep this in mind this doesn't mean anything negative about Tulsi or that you shouldn't take it but keep it in mind all the descriptions and yeah also the big success that Tulsi became in recent years um, is more due to those marketing efforts which does not mean that it is a very important herb in Ayurveda and that it is good for many things. But the description of Tulsi is often, or it is actually, you can find it in lists of adaptogens. And um, 
my teacher Kepi Kalsa, you know, he's a very um, famous and known Ayurvedic teacher uh, in from North America, and I studied with him. He definitely says Tulsi is not an adaptogen, and you know, most adaptogens are roots, are herbs that really nourish and strengthen and give you substance. We have just mentioned ginseng, for example. Ginseng is a true adaptogen and many, many other herbs. Most of them are roots. There are very few exceptions. There is, for example, shisandra from Chinese medicine, which is a berry. But there are very, very few exceptions to this rule that adaptogens are normally roots. So tulsi, Uh, my teacher Kepi Kaza, he would say about Tulsi, it is just a flimsy leaf that makes you sweat. So with flimsy leaf, he means exactly that, that uh, Tulsi is a basil plant. So it, that's why it's called holy basil. So it, it smells different, has a different taste than basil, looks a bit different than the basil you would put on your pizza. But yeah, it's definitely just a leaf, just a tiny little leaf that has a nice smell. So nothing, you know, juicy and full of nutrients like a root. Very different just from the fact of it being a leaf. And then it makes you sweat means, yeah, it's a very good diaphoretic. Diaphoretic are herbs that make us sweat, which is very useful in the case of cold and flu. If you feel the cold coming on, you can drink, uh, let's say, 30 grams of Tulsi made into a tea. You drink it and you go into bed, take a hot shower cover yourself go into bed and sweat the pathogens out this is a very yeah a very very famous strategy i mean all major healing systems of natural medicine use this strategy of sweating the pathogen out so the virus or whatever is causing your cold and flu of sweating it out through the skin uh, with those diaphoretic herbs that usually you drink as a hot tea to help promote the sweating so in Chinese medicine, this they use diaphoretics to help with cold and flu in Ayurvedic medicine and also in Western herbalism. So this is a very common concept of natural healing. So for that, it's definitely amazing. It's definitely good. I mean, they do have many diaphoretics. You do not have to buy an herb from India. You can find probably a good diaphoretic herb in your garden or outside your house or grow something in a pot easily. So Tulsi is also not very special in that sense. It's just one of many, many diaphoretic herbs. Um, why it got this kind of fame or is confused with an adaptogen is because it has an effect on your, let's say, nervous memory. It builds nerve tissue. It is said in Ayurveda to detox the nerves in the brain. It brings mental clarity or helps you with emotional stress. It's yeah a nerve healer. It is also a digestive uh, remedy, just like others from this mint family that are also digestive remedies like basil or, or mint itself, for example. It uplifts the mood. It expands the consciousness. So all this led a bit to this idea that it has this adaptogenic uh, qualities 
which it doesn't yeah if you look at the definition of adaptogen it just does not really fit into this category but it is written over and over uh, on the internet you know you find this information on 200 blogs which of course have just copied one from the other so it's also not a proof of anything if you find the same information repeated over and over again on the internet does not make it any any truer so it's 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 enough with one blog saying something and then you have immediately 200 other blogs copying this information or on social media or if you find this information on the internet yeah it's not something to go by but yeah it's a it's a little misunderstanding it's a bit energizing but more in this light um yeah more in this subtle way let's say not compared to ginseng you know a really a root or like rhodiola ashwagandha all those roots that are true adaptogens that really build and nourish the body not in this way yeah it expands and sharpens awareness it aids meditation it promotes compassion and clarity so this is all from ayurveda this is what ayurveda says about it they plant it near temples and also near your private home so you could plant a, a tulsi plant in a pot and put it close to the entrance of your house this purifies the air it sanctifies the environment so you know you pass the tulsi plant every day when you go into your house or leave the house you brush against it and it releases some of the smell so you get a whiff of the tulsi smell that elevates your consciousness yeah it is in in this sense it is kind of elevating and helping your mind helping your clarity um, helping with meditation yeah it's a good herb to drink before meditation to yeah focus the mind and get more clarity and and focus so they call this sattva sattva in in ayurveda this is yeah this um, this quality of the mind that i just described so that's what tulsi is of course excellent for yeah so you could take it for those benefits as i said it is especially interesting if you can plant fresh tulsi and have it close to where you live or in your house or close to the entrance like it is traditionally used in india so this would be an amazing way to get this plant into your life and smell the fresh leaves and maybe when you leave the house you every day you pick a little leaf and chew on it on the way to your car on the way to work and you get this mind elevating quality from it yeah or you use it in this more medicinal way let's say you feel a cold and flu coming on you have been exposed to somebody who just had a virus or was diagnosed with some viral disease so you could make a strong tulsi tea so in this case forget the tea bags the tea bags is nice you know if you want to just enjoy a tulsi tea for uh, its taste uh, yeah wonderful for the nice smell and the taste you get it from a tea bag but you know you have half a gram of tulsi in one tea bag i was just saying 30 grams is the ayurvedic dose of really using is as a diaphoretic so this is 60 tea bags so forget the tea bags you definitely have to um, buy a pound of tulsi you will maybe find um, you can get different types of tulsi especially in india um, it is something you can you know buy tulsi from a special region so it's you know the tulsi from that region that has a bit of different taste than the other tulsi it's a bit like wine in our culture you know it's like uh, special there are different tastes different origins of the tulsi so 
yeah maybe in the west you find only like two three types of tulsi i'm not sure yeah so but yeah as a warming diaphoretic it is a bit pungent and a bit hot so it is definitely warming it makes you sweat i mean we have cooling and warming diaphoretics so if you already have a fever maybe it is too warming if you take it strictly you know i mean probably it's also not so extremely warming but if we're taking the 30 grams yeah we get some some serious action from it so if you wrap up and go into bed and take a hot shower before and all that you will start sweating so it's a bit warming but it gets the cold or flu effectively out of you in the beginning and it can also be a bit energizing and helping you to overcome this cold and flu so just to recap Tulsi is misunderstood in the way that it is often seen as an adaptogen or something yeah it is not exactly it is a good nervine it calms the nerves it's good for memory it's a nerve tissue builder detoxes the nerve and brain and it's good for devotion in ayurvedic terms so those are all things not from scientific studies but from uh, the ayurvedic point of view and this yeah because of this description it got into the category of adaptogens which is um, yeah not really justified so it does not work in that way but it can be a good addition you know if you just want more clarity of your mind if you have started to meditate and you want some support you to get into this headspace for meditation and calm your mind and and yeah get this clarity of the mind it is a great herb to take definitely for that but i would not uh, replace it with uh, another it cannot replace other adaptogens in this rooty adaptogen categories like rhodiola ashwagandha ginseng um, and those other herbs that we have that are true adaptogens so yeah tulsi is uh, in a different category definitely but it can be a great diaphoretic can be a good digestive herb it can be just a nice addition to flavor a tea if you make a tea blend and you add some tulsi um, yeah it can be a very nice tasting tea and in the higher doses if we're more thinking uh, 30 grams per day of the tea brewed yeah brewed as tea so you just take 30 grams of the herb put hot water on it let it steep for a while so you don't have to decoct it you don't have to let it boil no it's just pouring the hot water on it maybe waiting 10 minutes keeping it covered so you do not lose those essential oils those aromas that you want to inhale while you sip the tea um, yeah then we are more in this we're using the tulsi in a more medicinal way like physically to make us sweat and to get a cold or flu out of our system So that was maca, astragalus and tulsi. Um, yeah, those herbs, as I said, they got famous uh, through unknown mechanisms of the internet or uh, economic interests and other factors, not because they are so special or different. I mean, there are lots of other herbs from Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine and South American herbalism that would be amazing and effective, but they have not gotten any attention yet in the public uh, sphere of the internet. So, um, yeah, those herbs 
As I said, for no obvious reason, they have become very famous and they have become very misunderstood because of the lack of information, the lack of context, how they have been used in their traditional healing systems. So we use them in the wrong way. We use them in the wrong dose. We use them for the wrong intentions. So I hope I could give you some clarity. I mean, we have today many more herbs available, like let's say just 20 years ago. We have lots of herbs from other cultures available. But what what we have a lack in is actually the herbalists or the natural practitioners who can tell you how to effectively take those. Of course, available for individualized health consultations. You can check out my website. It's herbalhelp.net. Herbalhelp, this is herbalhelp.net. You can check out the offerings I have on my webpage if you are interested in uh, individual health protocol to address your health issues. Also check out my YouTube channel. It's called Herbal Help by Tamara. And subscribe to this podcast so you find the next episode here soon. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can also write me an email. Uh, the email is tamara at herbalhelp.net or you find a link also on my webpage. Uh, there is a contact form. You can write me through that contact form or you find me on Instagram. On Instagram, it's herbal.help, herbal.help on Instagram. And yeah, get in touch. Tell me if you have taken those herbs or what other things you want me to talk about in the upcoming episodes. And yeah, it's always nice to hear from you. I just learned that I'm, I think, on number nine in the ranking of podcasts in the category of alternative health in Poland. So I want to know who are my Polish listeners. Thank you for making my podcast so popular and successful in Poland. And yeah, hopefully and um, probably also in other countries. So write me an email and tell me where you are from and give me some feedback. You can also leave a review on the podcast, on Apple Podcast or also other platforms, but usually uh, on the Apple Podcast uh, reviews, this is the most effective thing to help this podcast to get Uh, shown to more people you can also re recommend it to a friend so i'm really thankful if you help spread the word about the podcast down to earth herbalism so thank you again so much for listening and see you next time ciao